Welcome to Mind to Make, episode 10. You got Jeremy Glenn with you as always. On the show today, I have DJ and producer in training, I'll say, Bambi. Bambi is an amazing DJ. Uh, I would say one of the best DJs in Toronto. Uh, and even in my experience uh, internationally, from what I've heard and what I've heard her put together. She really puts a lot of time and energy into crafting her sets that... Sets that not only elate and surprise her audience, but I think also herself. And as you'll hear in our conversation, Bambi's really concerned with paying respects to the music that she plays, uh, what the origins of that music are, and and who who's made it. Uh, in the interview, we discuss the importance of that kind of really well-researched and practiced approach and how that's helped her cultivate her sound and following. We discuss the optics of gender in club culture and in promotion. We talk about DJing versus performance and the performance of DJing and how Bambi uses every opportunity that she's given to improve her craft. We talk about the importance of cultivating a community and what that community can do for you early on, as well as how it can sustain you throughout your your career. We also talk about the sobering realities of being someone involved in nightlife uh, and that culture and the importance of striking up a relationship with social media, whether you like it or not. All that stuff and a lot of very great opinionated commentary from the two of us. So I hope that you like what you hear on the show. So without further ado, I bring you Bambi on Mind to Make. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Bambi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Do you want to get adjusted a little more? No. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to have you on the podcast just because I think you're fantastic at what you do. So tell me a bit about Bambi. What do I, what do I do? Yeah, um, what... I'm a DJ. Okay. First and foremost, trying to be a producer. Okay. Um, I am based in Toronto, but mm-hmm. I probably play... Outside of Toronto, play second to that. I play most of the time in Montreal. Okay, I've been able to tour three times in Europe, and I also play a bit in America. Okay, as well. What do I do? I curate events. I guess I curate uh, parties. Mm-hmm. More recently, I've been booking uh, DJs or live acts and bringing them down to Toronto. Uh, sometimes I teach DJ workshops. To- what what <laughs> what got you? Like, what was the initial thing that got you interested in DJing? Honestly, I went to an arts high school and um, I was there initially for the music program. And I think that I've always like, like always been like an avid music lover. And I've always felt, I guess, like a sort of deep connection to music, but didn't really know my like exact relationship to it. And DJing actually honestly happened on accident. Mm. I was throwing events before I started DJing and I used to throw this block party called Recess. And then I started curating the playlists. For it. And then it honestly happened, like, I just, like, started to use a program on my laptop. And yeah. then it just, I guess, escalated from there. Yeah. So it was very accidental. And it, I, it didn't come from this, like, idea of wanting to be a DJ. Or I didn't even know what that was, really. Or mm-hmm. what that look, could look like for me. It just came from, like, wanting to hear the music I liked at my event. Yeah. Personally speaking, as I've seen a lot of DJs. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I really loved when I first heard your stuff was the diversity of sounds that you play, but the way in which, and I don't know if your style has changed. Mm-hmm. I think it has to some degree. Mm-hmm. But when I first started hearing you playing is how fast you were mixing things up. It was very like, my experience is very much like a, the way a hip hop DJ would put a set together, mm-hmm. sh- like quick transitions, mm-hmm. but your the diversity of material through the whole set would be, would, would was what always, you know, made me more interested in the set and like got me like dancing more, mm-hmm. or got me more, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, which I enjoyed more about it. Mm-hmm. Was the technical proficiency anything that you found difficult to, to when you got started? Because I know even when I started, like, I mean, I was playing on 
<laughs> like Radio yeah. Shack decks it yeah. with records. And it was, you know, just the, just the concept of it and getting this idea of like the, the flow of music together mm -hmm. and putting it all together. Cause you, you said you'd started with putting playlists together. Yeah. So was that like, was it, was the technology something that you. you yeah, know? I've actually, I'm actually very um, computer illiterate. I'm not like good with computers at all. So I started with uh, putting playlists together and then I, started using um programs like tractor and then eventually i got a controller i also didn't have very much exposure like i never had mm -hmm. when i first started i never had a mentor i never had someone to show me so i kind of just like used what i had access to which was what which was like using this like just like a cracked a crack of a program yeah like, that was like my first you know what i mean and i yeah that was my first introduction to djing and i because i never had a mentor i never had I think people try to formalize DJing and like formal, like have ideas around like what equipment you should use mm. and just like rites of passage as like if you're going to title yourself as a DJ. And I kind of wasn't ever exposed to that because right. I didn't have anyone. I remember kind of seeking it out at first, but I just never got someone to really like sit me down and show me. So I like I was pretty much self taught mm -hmm. so yeah i just dj'd with what was accessible to me and it wasn't un kind of until much later that i started using cdjs and i kind of you know through just experience and definitely through traveling kind of like formulated ideas around what the craft meant to me and like how i wanted to master it and you know what i mean i think when you love something initially you do what's easiest just to just to dive into it but yeah. i think if it's like a long-term relationship with something you start to figure out like what are the origins of this thing mm -hmm. and what are the different ways i can do it and mm -hmm. how do people do it over here and blah blah, blah. so i think those things became important to me mm -hmm. later mm -hmm. but yeah do you find that the technology is even i don't know i don't want to say unimportant but it's kind of like it's just like a facilitation process for you to be able to play the music because i think some people see i think now djing is at this stage where you you can really con like have so much more control over how the music is played. You know, mm -hmm. just on records, it was like, well, you could maybe scratch. Yeah, that's about Can't the most. You know, you can much, kind of yeah. manipulate what's being heard from time to time. Mm -hmm. But now you can like remix on the fly. Yeah, and you can be taking sure. samples and be doing you know your own like something live if you wanted to. Yeah. So do you, do you find that it's like something that is sort of freeing for you, or is it just like like you said? Oh, now I'm you know you were trying CDJs for a bit and you had a controller before and. Now that you've kind of toured the block a yeah. little bit, are you like, no, actually, I really would love to just play records because this is too yeah. much stuff going on. I don't know exactly. I think that like right now where I'm at is that like from touring, I'm like, OK, this is industry standard. So right. this is the thing that I want to master just to right. be taken seriously. Yeah. And just to be respected. Is that important so, to you? Yeah, that's important to me just because it's like coming in. It's like most of the time I'm the only woman there right. and I'm the only person of color right. there and or i'm even the youngest right. right so just to be taken seriously um and you know people have different ideas those ideas don't matter to me i'm just like i'm just interested in what industry standard and right. what i don't want and i don't need another barrier between mm, me yeah, and yeah. accessing playing this music so yeah. yeah i'm just interested in like mastering that and getting as good as possible on this uh on that type of equipment are you getting intellectual about how you're playing music now do you are you starting to get into that sort of uh dj um yeah i think i think just through the process of like doing when i first started djing i kind of just didn't have i didn't have the same kind of politics as, as i have around music or mm. just i didn't have the same kind of ideas that i have now like i think i do much more research i'm mm. like and the internet has like you know created this I'm very much a part of like a global network of like young DJs or producers. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think about music in a much more tangible, more like serious way. It's a, it's a serious narrative that I'm a part of. So yeah, the music I play is definitely, I'm very careful, particular, like I'm very, very particular with like what kind of like narrative I'm creating in my sense. It's not like I don't hyper intellectualize it, but I definitely, you know, especially because I'm playing I always say I play global club, right? So I'm mm. playing music, playing a lot of like Afro, um, South American, Caribbean stuff. So I'm very conscious of like the kind of music I'm playing, mm -hmm. the story behind that music, where it comes from, because mm -hmm. I think people, um, it just you need to be careful with playing that kind of music when we're talking about like appropriation and things like that. So I'm mm -hmm. very well researched, I guess. You know what right. I mean? Like I care about that. And I think I should be if I'm using this music to like propagate myself and to tour the world. Like 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I don't yeah. think most people take that kind of thing into account. They're just like, oh, it's a dope track. Yeah, I'm but I think play. because you're playing this music, you become the intermediary between right. between the music and the audience. Yeah. And you become the authority on music, but it's not just music, it's like culture, it's mm -hmm. people, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to always, like when people ask me what kind of music I play, I'm always careful to say, like I'm always make sure to say where the music comes from or to even like bring up producers I like and say exact names because I... Like I don't like the like I don't like terms like tropical house. Like I don't like terms like that. Because right. I'm just like say where it comes from. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. um the 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 most damaging thing about appropriation to me is the origins get lost. Like that not like people actually start to forget where the music comes from mm -hmm. and like why it exists. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I don't think you can control who plays what, but at least we can control the story yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. You had talked a bit about how you've already got these three sort of, I want to say three strikes against you. That sounds wrong, but yeah. but sort of you're saying like yeah. you've got these barriers to entry, essentially. Yeah. So it's 2018 now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you think that in your experience, the world of professional DJing is is like better accommodating? I guess. I think so. I think there's, yeah? yeah, I think there's definitely more of a dialogue around even though I think sometimes the dialogue has been sensationalized because mm -hmm. of the internet, mm -hmm. but there's more of a dialogue around um, gender bias in the music industry in general. Mm -hmm. So I think that people are becoming more exposed and thinking about these things mm -hmm. when they curate festivals or when they're looking, you know, when we're looking at all male DJ lineups or all male live acts, when we, when we look at things like that, people are asking questions like, why aren't, why aren't we seeing different kinds of people um, present? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think, People are thinking about it, but I'm critical of the ways, sometimes I'm critical of the ways those conversations are had. Because I think feminism in general is something that's been co-opted by a lot of different corporations. And sometimes it just like, it comes off as very quite vacuous and aesthetic and it's used aesthetically in events and stuff. So I'm like, I'll see events that are like, the, the the people in leadership positions are all men, mm -hmm. but they like the optics of having a woman. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. their end you know, the woman is not booked for her taste or her skill. She's booked for the visibility, you yeah. know what I mean? And she's not really, people are really um, hoarding the hoarding agency and hoarding their leadership, but not really ready to like actually compromise that. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the conversations are being had, but I'm still critical of like the ways that people are using these politics in like an aesthetic way, mm -hmm. right? Because the internet just like, fucks with things like it, yeah i know the internet it is a, it can be a dark and yeah it's yeah. very you know the hashtags like the girl boss girls party like girl like girls spelled with an x three times like yeah. you know what i mean i'm yeah. like okay but like who who's making the most money you right. know you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. who's making money yeah, yeah. who's who has ultimately them, who's benefiting the, yeah from this exactly who's in the who who's making the decisions the yeah. ultimate decisions yeah. you know what i mean so yeah the internet is more about optics than substance a lot of the times. Right. So, yeah, I think it's better and kind of the same. Right. In a certain way. Yeah. Okay. Do you kind of feel like you have a, a necessity? I mean, you feel like you you want to expose the creators of the music in, in you playing it. So at the same time, are you trying to put some kind of a platform up there? Or are you sort of trying to stay out of the politics of what um, that is or just be I like... I try to do both. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I also think it's like, you know, and I think that... I think sometimes people over politicize me because I'm like yeah. black and I'm queer. So they like ask me very like heavy handed questions. And I like oftentimes people who are margin marginalized, like don't get to like just be artists. So people will be asking me like deep political questions. It's like, I don't really have to answer that. Like yeah. I can like just show up and play the music yeah. I like. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so at the same time, I do think it's important to use a platform I have to create like dialogue and like you know push the things i believe in but i think there's a balance but it would I, also just be nice to be like hey i'm yeah, here to play some music exactly tonight. i hope you like it exactly yeah. exactly you know what i mean because yeah it's, it's like my race always supersedes me you right. know what i mean or like my queerness always supersedes me it's yeah. like annoying sometimes yeah. i'm just like i'm just here to play music yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like the gender thing to me has always been funny with at least in um the techno club world that it's I don't know. I've always found it strange that it's a thing at all. Yeah. To some degree, I have to say, like, I almost feel a degree of jealousy because it's like, well, you're making this person special 
as a result of their gender, yeah. as opposed to just recognizing their skill yeah, yeah, and, and sure. their talent. Yeah, see, I, I find that almost like, because then it's like, I understand that we are creating these spaces because there's this type of erasure. So they'll, mm. they'll in reaction to uh, like festivals being male dominated, they'll be like, okay, this is an all female festival. Yeah. When really it would just be nice if like the main space could be um, integrated. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I like I believe in reactionary spaces, but it would be nice if the first space <laughs> could just open up yeah. and uh, be more diverse. Yeah. You know? One thing I will say, because I do get asked, like, what are the barriers that I face as a black, being black, queer, female, whatever? I will say that it's interesting that I get asked that because I think one of the advantages I have over other people is that the fact that I am those things, I have a very supportive community. Like mm -hmm. I have, a, like I have people from the queer community, from the black community that really show me uh, intentionally a lot of a lot of love mm -hmm. and and think that me being in these spaces where maybe I'm the only one or one of few is so important mm -hmm. and it's so inspiring that like I get a lot of support that I don't think a white male no one's like yes johnny yeah. <laughs> i do it for all of us <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know what i mean like so i you know i i think that yeah i think that everyone talks about these things as if it's to my detriment but i think it's also one of my advantages you mm -hmm. know what i mean i think the fact that i am different from everybody else in a lot of these spaces yeah i don't know i just think that people underestimate those communities and and they, I I do feel like they've put me in those places. The right. reason why I get to go on tour or I get to play this thing is because of those people who like go so hard for me. Yeah, I think that's good. It's good to underscore that point because I often wonder, you know, how how important is the local community to I think the success of any artist? You know, uh, very important. Yeah, yeah, the idea of community um, is something that I've touched on and with a number of people. Um, even in relation to, say, like a group dynamic where if you're performing with other individuals, but having an interaction, having a community, yeah, having, having a, a base of people yeah. that support you, yeah. um, that give you sort of that initial push and how important that is to be, because it's sort of like in any art form, right? Like you need an audience. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you can be doing it in a vacuum, but, yeah, you know, sure. how does that allow you to continue to do uh, what you do? I guess it's I mean, it sounds like from your first your first answer that you are still finding as though you as a person or some people who would be like you are still underrepresented in the, the professional DJ world. Definitely. Yeah. And music in, in, in general. In music yeah. in general. Yeah. Do you think it's, it's something that now that it's being discussed more that globally, the conscious consciousness of around really, these think, things will start to just yeah. sort of become less of a, a, a talking point and more of just like, no, they're great for what they do. And I want to, I think very slowly, yeah. but I think you don't see evidence of it at least at this point. I, no, I do see I do see evidence, and I there's so many amazing, you know. I always I always talk about them when I do interviews like this, but there's so many amazing collectives like Disc Woman, um, parties like Ghetto Gothic or Fake Accent or Moonshine that have always had very diverse mm -hmm. bookings, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like they don't even really need to, like obviously people ask people ask them like you know what i mean about their lineups and about their practice but at this point it's just like it's commonplace for them to have those bookings yeah. that it's not like a thing they're mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's just talent you mm -hmm. know what i mean like i definitely see evidence but i also just see certain ideas being co-opted by brands mm -hmm. by corporations by social media in a vacuous way so like yeah. you know what i mean so at the same time especially back to the thing around like the idea of a female dj right there's a there's a superficiality and it's being used against us in a certain way. Mm. You know what I mean? That can you talk about that a bit more? Yeah, I think with the female DJ thing, I think I think there's two sides to it. So I think and the first side is that yeah, there's a lack of visibility. You know mm. what I mean? We are underrepresented and a lot of lineups are male dominated. At the same time, what I'm also seeing is feminism is being co-opted and women are being booked not based on scale, just based on optics. And also the, the the sort of like standard that female DJs are held to is much different than a male DJ. So mm -hmm. it's like you'll see generally even looking through social media, it's like female DJs also have to be models. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? They also have to be like PR girls and brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these things will take the front seat and DJing usually takes the back seat. Mm -hmm. Right. And then but then there's a lot of language around like feminism being used and stuff. And like, that's cool. Like, I'm not hating on you know, if that's your hustle, I'm definitely not hating on that because that takes work and skill, right? But in terms of DJing, I think that like, 
that is all of that looks like visibility in a certain way because we see a lot of that Mm -hmm. and we see women at the front but it's like that for the women that can't do those things or don't want to do those things that's not really like forwarding our talent Mm. for forwarding the idea of us being as capable as men Mm -hmm. you know what i mean in Mm -hmm. within the industry so and i think people look at things like that like the brand ambassador the model djs the pr stuff and think that looks like oh, like this is evidence that people are kind of like accepting this idea more or lineups are becoming more diverse or blah, blah, blah. But it's, that's optics. Right. That's not actually, you know what I mean? Because when, when I look at, like I've traveled a lot at this point and like, you know, when I look at the, like when I look at certain platforms, like the revered ones, women aren't there. Yeah. You, know, you know what yeah. I mean? They're not there, yeah. right? So if it is an issue of traditionally male dominated industry, and and likely coming from people who are like you said older people because yeah. maybe they've been doing it for i mean you know how parties work and yeah. how you have to promote and so if they've stayed in the game for a while do you think it's a sort of nepotistic kind of thing yeah or? definitely i also think it's even i think it's even much more simple than that i think it's based on gender constructs like for example mm-hmm. like when i went to a uh, arts high school right and I think that when we think about art and different kinds of art and music and different kinds of music, we all we gender everything and we racialize mm. everything, right? So it's like there's assumptions made on the type of art I would make because I'm black or the right. type of music I would like because I was black. Right. And I remember being 14 and 15 and like feeling like the assumptions of others infringed upon what I wanted to do. So it's like, I can't like that music because like that's music for white people. Yeah. I can't like this kind of art because that's art for white people. And I think that... You know, when I was in high school, sitting at home and making beats for three, four hours was not a thing that women were encouraged to do or yeah. feel felt like they could have access to. Or it wasn't, you know what I mean? That was yeah. seen as like a mass, a boy's thing. That's yeah. a boy's thing. And no one really asked any questions about that. That's just not a thing. Yeah. Girls were singers. Yeah. Or girls played particular kind of instruments. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, And those are very, like, we don't. You know, no one's yelling at you telling you you can't do those things, but people follow two types of rules, the rules they hear verbally and the rules that they that we observe subconsciously. And I think subconsciously, when we think about art, we have rules around who can make what and Mm. who shouldn't do this. You know what I mean? So I think that technical ability, we always think of it as like a masculine thing mm. or a male thing yeah you know what i mean something like singing is a feminine thing so right. that's not weird for a woman to yeah. do it. you know what i mean it's again so, about like yeah. optics and exposure and exactly something exactly and, yeah. so when you think about like something like technical like producing or looking at computer programs that's not something growing up i'm like right. oh i don't do the stuff like that right. you know? i very much even like regret that as an adult because i'm like why the fuck you know <laughs> <laughs> start early yeah. like all these other people yeah um so yeah, I think I think DJing is seen as a technical music skill yeah. that we would not, that's not feminine. You know what I mean? Right. And I think people, those ideas are instilled in us very, very, very young. And I think that, you know, that with a bunch of other things contributes to the fact that there's a lack of visibility. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, and it's to some degree, it's actually a numbers game. It's like if there were more females who are encouraged to be For doing sure. things that yeah. are involved with, yeah, with technology, yeah. then maybe you would see a greater number exactly holding more influence for and something ide- like just that. ideas around like different gendered ideas around how things are certain tasks or ter- certain skills right, yeah. are gendered yeah yeah You actually brought it up. You said, although you would like to be producing more. Because mm-hmm. I kind of felt this way when I was DJing. Like initially DJing for me was uh, was somewhat similar. Like it was, I guess it was based out of a need to hear certain kinds of music. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I could hear, hear that music was, was on record at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would listen to like college radio hip hop shows. And it's like, you can't get that mix unless you buy this 12 inch. So that's what yeah. I had to do. And uh, then it okay. was like, well, okay, I can listen to it yeah. on my like at home turntable, yeah. but it's not the same. So the next yeah. logical step was like, okay, let's try and get into DJing and then yeah. you can like make mixtapes and all this kind of thing. But to me, I feel like at least nowadays in order to sort of elevate your your platform definitely you have to be in the production 100 you feel yeah yeah, 100 like i feel like all my 
all my famous, like my more than me, like all my like famous DJ friends who I've like become closer with or like met on tour mm. all over Europe, always like the number one advice they always give me is like, if you're going to break through to the like the next level, you have to be a producer as well. Yeah. You have to have original music. And I think that, you know, um, DJing has been like commodified in a certain way mm -hmm. that's very different than what it was like 30 years ago. Like Absolutely. I remember like I was at, I played Way Home and Kate Renata plays Way Home, obviously on different stages. <laughs> I was on a much smaller stage, <laughs> but um, he was playing and he played on the same stage that Kendrick played. And I just thought it was so funny because I remember him standing up there and like, <laughs> like just like, like Kendrick had dancers and yeah, blah, yeah. blah, and then Kate Tornado was there and playing, but it was such a huge, like such a huge stage. Yeah. Like it was a huge, huge stage. And I, um, you know, like that's not what DJ, like obviously people played for, it wasn't the fact that the crowd was big, but it's just that he is being positioned as the mm. same kind of artist that like as a rapper or a singer. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how he's being presented to mm -hmm. a crowd. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that yeah, that's not But that's, it was just a DJ setup. He was just, yeah, just playing a DJ, records. Yeah. yeah, like not like not even really looking at the crowd that much. Like he's yeah, just playing yeah. a DJ. He's chilling. He's yeah. playing a DJ set. You know what I mean? But like um he's being presented as the same kind of artist, mm -hmm. you know, as a singer or rapper. And I think that's like cool in some ways. And I also think it just sucks in other ways because like the days of a DJ being famous for being purely a tastemaker are just so over. Right. Right. And I, and I don't think that every DJ has the capacity or even has the interest to be a producer and shouldn't yeah. have to, too, yeah. because, because what it, it's doing, it's devaluing DJing. It's saying that DJing is not enough. Yeah. And that to be a valid DJ, now you have to be a producer as well. And they're mm. actually very different. They're producing and DJing are, DJing might inform your production in the, in the way that like you, have great taste but that's it or you, know the, you know a good way to put a song together that's yeah. gonna make the crowd work exactly right but they're they're very different you know yeah. so um that kind of sucks i think that that sucks right because i know amazing tastemakers who don't make music who can't break past and you know and it is very like it's very it's very um very evident that you have to be a producer as well because like mm. it's, like that's what will get you the booking agent that's what will get you headlining more festivals like it's like you like you'll i don't know i can't even say a name of someone i know who's like a dj i know who's kind of like playing huge festivals who isn't a producer yeah the only the well. only example i can think of is maybe like a bbc dj who are they're yeah. playing a lot but they've got their radio show which yeah. is maybe the only other yeah. avenue you could take i agree towards... i feel like uk the uk has an old dj history sure they yeah. take, because the, because of the industry there yeah but yeah i agree with that even the fact that I've like, even the fact that I've been able to like tour three times and I don't have any music out, it's like people would be like, "How can you?" Yeah, uh, like I'm very grateful for that because I know it's quite hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the, it's an interesting distinction now because um, I like I often as, at least with club like or house music when I first started DJing, I really liked being at crowd level. If I was elevated, I'd, it was just slightly and. Yeah when you when the dj started to you know they talk about it in the movie 24 hour party people but the the moment when it's it stopped being about the music that was being played and started being about the person yes, who was yes, playing the music yeah. elevating the dj i mean i think there's a respect to be had for somebody who can curate really well and they know how to put a program of 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 music together yeah. and can interact like emotionally with a crowd that's mm -hmm. there but to some degree, and I appreciate wanting to be respectful or, or just like to say, hey, for that's sure. awesome. You're doing such yeah, a good yeah, job yeah, and sure. like have that mutual sort of yeah. back and forth. But I think as soon as you put somebody up oh, on a stage, yeah, you're agree. automatically changing the, the whole perspective of the yeah. performance. And then and then to some degree, you know, your people are just naturally going to yeah. do that. To that's how they've been that socialized yeah. to be looking at the DJ. For sure. And, it, and it's really changed. You're right. It's yeah. really changed the way that. DJ sets are our approach. Like I, you know, you hear so many people who have just pre-programmed a DJ set. Yeah. It's pre-mixed. They're really just like just performing on a set of turntables yeah. or whatever it is. But I also think, you know, this is in the same vein as people being mad when you use like a sync button yeah. in a program yeah. like Tractor. Yeah. I'm also of the mind that it is to some degree a performance. People it's are performance, going to yeah. hear and they're expecting. And, you know, like when records used to skip or 
it like okay it's kind of cool because you know that it's it's all live and it's yeah. you know, you've got mistakes can happen at any point but by the same token it is a bit jarring and it takes you a bit off your step and you yeah. would like to keep enjoying the music so I, I i i feel you there like i don't think that i think it's completely bad i don't think it's completely bad yeah but there are aspects but to it. it is a little ridiculous to it's see ridiculous. one guy standing there it's, just, it's like what am i watching especially because i find djing part it's like a participatory art yeah, form. yeah so i think that like it's mutually enforced like mm -hmm. you can't you don't know where to go unless you the crowd engages with yeah, you it yeah. takes both subjects whereas yeah. i think other kinds of like when a rapper is rapping he's like i'm like i'm gonna switch it up now because they don't like it like mm -hmm. he's just gonna do the songs he said he was gonna do yeah before he got on stage yeah. you know what i mean where djing is very participatory you're mm -hmm. building this thing together yeah. you know so um and now i feel like yeah it's like you have to like yeah perform almost like when i'm like when i'm on tour and i'm gonna go dj at whatever fest or whatever thing i'm djing at it's like i know that a, i have to come with a look like i have <laughs> right. to like i have to come like as if i'm about to like you know what i mean like dance and sing like i have to come with a serious look yeah and i have to be like it's just like i i do feel this kind of pressure as if i was a singer in some ways yeah. which is like annoying yeah <laughs> like, you know what i mean yeah so, and regardless of any of the other stuff we were talking about yeah. it's just like whoever you are yeah you're on a stage now exactly so you've got eyes on you exactly yeah. you know at the same time i also sometimes wonder because djing is so saturated it, it's almost sometimes i feel like it is good if we create this spectacle because it makes people pay attention to the music mm. more where i feel like we're in an era where people don't pay attention to music i see i as disagree much. i feel the like, opposite is true i feel, feel like, like if you weren't if you didn't have the person to pay attention to then you would listen you to could, the music more. all you could do would be listening to the music while you're yes dancing and no. yeah yes you know? and no like my favorite clubs used to be the ones where you didn't couldn't see the, see DJ. the dj they were who the, the hell DJ. knows where nobody's making requests yeah nobody's doing those things and it's almost like it's it's anti-convenient right it's not convenient to go to a place and but but what you're doing is you're you're sort of suspending your ability to have any control and i think that yeah. aspect to me has been lost a lot. I talked to um, another producer who, who DJs and plays, and he was sort of saying like, you know, he really misses the rave days because can, because yeah. there were no phones and yeah. you just were like, we're gonna go to this place and we're gonna have this experience yeah. and you have no out. It's like, yeah. I'm there and I'm down. And if it sucks, it's gonna have to suck. But I could also just try and invest, invest in this one thing, yeah, you know? Sure. And yeah. like, that's what I decided to do tonight. So I'm gonna be there hundred percent. Now, yeah. obviously, the genie's out of the bottle like we're not nobody's putting their phones in a bag before they go into the no. club more than likely i know some clubs no. though Bergheim. yeah we'll put the sticker the camera sticker, yeah 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 right like yeah but i wonder i mean uh i got asked that question as part of an application mm -hmm. like what would you set up if you were setting up your own like club right and you'd be like no phones yeah. and that's kind of something i wish i could do like yeah. or have like a phones only area yeah because it just having that experience and, and coming that. up in the culture and feeling like that was like, there was something about that that yeah. was really special about like, you know, it's the same thing I feel like when you have um, an experience of a performance, yeah. any kind of performance, like especially a very intimate performance, yeah. you can't, you can put it on a phone and Facebook live it. But it degrades but it. It, it degrades, degrades it. It, it yeah. doesn't feel, you're not a part of that yeah, same shared sure. experience. You know for what I sure. mean? That's that's kind of how I feel about it, but I know I know what you're saying. It's sort but of like, like when I look at uh, I guess my example is like a platform like Boiler Room, which yeah. very much creates a spectacle around the DJing. When mm -hmm. I watch that, I'm watching people watch the exact mixes and watch that. But that's a very particular kind of DJing, right? But yeah. it's like people are really invested in like the mixes you're doing or what you're dropping next yeah, or how yeah. you're playing on the CJ. Yeah. And I also appreciate that because people are really really mm -hmm. paying attention to the art of DJing, and that yeah. doesn't. That also doesn't happen that much, but yeah, it can be it can be um, negative and positive. Yeah, negative and positive. Well, I know I feel yeah. like that's that's been a thing because I remember when I used to play, and you would always have people that would like to hang around the booth. Yeah, they're like if they're either like yeah. checking for the next record and yeah. be like, "What's that record?" Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they want to see what's going what on. What you're doing? Yeah, yeah which is cool. Which is I cool. think it's cool. It I probably cool. speaks to like DJ culture having become so mainstream now to yeah. some degree, right? That people are interested in it. So one of the things I, I'm trying to um, make a part of this podcast, uh, because I think for myself and I think for a lot of other creative people, you know, creativity and it becomes such an emotive thing mm -hmm. that sometimes being motivated to do it is like 
you know, even even when you're on the road and people are just like, how can you not like what you're doing? Because you're playing parties every night and you get to rock jams and yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're not delivering seminars on some very boring tax yeah. tax information or something like that. Do you ever feel demotivated when you're on the definitely, road? 100%. Definitely. How, do you, how do you sort of stay definitely up and inspired? Like, what are, do you have any kinds of routines that you do before? Like, is getting, mm. is, is make, is putting on a look kind of a way to. Uh, yeah, that will help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm it, like, yeah. I look cute. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that definitely helps. That you look definitely, good and you, so you feel, feel good. good. You yeah. feel good. Yeah, that definitely helps me. I think staying sober definitely yeah. helped me keep some like clarity and stuff because. I think people are like, oh, you just get to like party every night and yeah. stuff where I'm just like, mm, no, I get to like refine what I'm doing. The first time I went on tour, I really was interested in like being better every single night because mm. the dates were routed really close together. So I played five nights in a row and I wanted to feel like I wasn't making the mistake I made the night before. Right. Like I'd like test myself. You know were what you I mean? Pre-programming sets to some degree? Um, the set, I wasn't, what do you mean by pre pro like so, curating playlists? Yeah. So like, I, I, I mean, I t because you have basically unlimited music at your yeah. fingertips now, I, even when I was um, playing more often, I would tend to try and have a loose set of songs i kind of look at looked at it the way that when i used to dj on record it was mm -hmm. like i can only physically bring like maybe like 80 records with me mm -hmm. and beyond that it's starting to become uncomfortable <laughs> physically yeah. yeah but in a way that's great because it gives you a limited a, a limitation with which to work with so you have mm -hmm. to kind of be like well these are the songs that i really really love right now this is what i want to play mm -hmm. and then maybe you could substitute something that's what i mean by that i don't okay. mean like you're you set it all up. Okay. And... Yeah. So to some degree, yeah, I definitely had an idea of like um, the BPM I was going to play in, genres I was going to touch on. Mm -hmm. I also had like transitions that I knew worked really well that I might swap in and swap For out sure. um, different nights. But this was like that tour came after I had initially switched from using a controller to CDJs. I see. So it was a very good practice for me to like get more using CDJs is quite physical yeah. you know what I mean and takes a good sleight of hand so it was just a good practice to, for me to get way more comfortable mm -hmm. on this thing that was like so jarring because I remember mm. looking at CDJs and I was like this, this looks very complicated right. and like they're scary even sometimes now when I play I'm like scared of them <laughs> like, <laughs> right. yeah like I'm just like I'm scared they've like, gotten it's just... way they've had <laughs> way more features than when they yeah. you know like, I'm shook like, yeah, I'm, just, yeah. like, I'm scared of them so um, yeah it was just a way for me to feel more comfortable on that equipment and yeah. you know how manual it is um but it's interesting that it was like somewhat motivating for you to be like i'm just going to be a little bit better at every this single craft night. Yeah. every time yeah because it was practice that i don't know you could always practice at home but what better place to practice like i'm in front of a big crowd yeah. every single night yeah so it helped me a get used to that a get used to like walking on a stage in front of so many people because mm -hmm. that's also like i'm like a can be really shy and that was scary as mm -hmm. well and then just and getting used to the idea of making mistakes in front of big crowds like mm -hmm. that you know what i mean because i would make mistakes and mm -hmm. i would be like have that like verbal like you are so stupid yeah. like um you try really hard not to do something physical that's yeah that you're just like, <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah. don't shake your head don't shake yeah your i'd head. be like don't make that face yeah, <laughs> don't do this thing. Yeah. so yeah it definitely taught me some like good habits having to play that often and i just yeah i just use it as an opportunity yeah. to practice and that's what kept me motivated because i was like i don't know when i'm gonna get this opportunity again yeah to like this is like such an idealistic like op like when am i gonna get to play in a different city every night yeah. for like 500 plus people yeah you know what i mean who actually like this music yeah. i also was getting an opportunity to play the exact music that i really like yeah for people who also liked it yeah it was the most like ideal situation ever right yeah. so i think that's what kept me motivated in general like when i'm in toronto or like i'm playing i might be playing an event i don't like so much that's definitely difficult but i always just try to do my i guess i just try to do my best all the time i guess yeah. it's good practice especially because i want to because i because i've traveled and i've seen people who are so efficient on cjs and who have kind of like their skill it's almost like they're using it like as like an instrument so my mm -hmm. ideas around what djing can look like mm. are just evolving all the time, evolving all the yeah. time. so i'm like you know when i was here what i thought djing could be it was quite small there's a lot of yeah, limitations yeah. you know yeah. what i mean but watching people really like when you watch someone who's like been playing on cjs for 10 years who can really like do some tricks or do some things it's mm -hmm. like every time you touch them you want to be able that's inspiring it's ex yeah it's yeah. inspiring right so i think that even if i'm playing something i don't like it's still a chance for me to touch 
the decks and yeah. like practice and yeah. I don't have them at home. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something I don't have them at home. They're so expensive. I don't have them at home. Yeah. So every time it's an opportunity for me to learn something or yeah. brush up on something, I'm trying a trick or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think that idea though is really important, but I still feel like what I want to know is like, what are you doing when you're just like, Jesus, I can't, I just, this thing, I, I hate it. Yeah. You just do it any again. Is that I, what it I, is? I, I think like, I just have just to do. do it anyway. I just have to do it anyways. I think I have to do it anyways. I definitely like. I think I know what I do after I do that thing. That I have to be quiet. Mm, I'm right, like right. probably like really reclusive. And, okay. Um, because it just takes a lot of like energy to be around that many bodies. Mm-hmm. It's like quite loud. DJing can be very like, especially if I'm doing like three nights in a row, and then one of those nights. Is in a different city. Like I've de- I've definitely done like Toronto, New York, Montreal in yeah. a row, and then been like after like like crying, like after just right. so um, drained at yeah. that. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I think it's an aspect of performance that anybody who has not done any kind of performing is not aware of, you know, Def. the hours, DJing in particular, because you tend to be playing club hours, playing, you know, you're, you're, you're in an unnatural schedule. You're sort of Unna- become yeah, nocturnal for, sure. for a while. Yeah. And I know people who have struggled with that whole thing of being like, you know, they don't get up before two or three in the mm-hmm. afternoon and it sort of changes your whole you know, viewpoint. I think that in itself can be you not noticing how it's, it's affecting you over sure, time. For sure. Um, and then the other point you brought up about sort of sobriety. Sobriety I'm, very yeah. much helps me. Yeah. I mean, I think now people who will have listened to the podcast or, or depending on when it's going to be aired yeah. will be like, man, like this guy just talks about it all the time. But yeah. <laughs> it's not something that I, I, I will say to everybody, that yeah. anybody that's listening, it's, it's not something that I intentionally bring up by necessity. It's, it's just interesting that yeah. a lot of people that I've talked to have have made a point of bringing it up on their own. Yeah. It's the same thing with meditation, but it's this component of like mental well-being being as important as all of the technical things. For sure, for sure. You know, I think you also have to learn to interact with nightlife without that being like a lubricant. Mm. Like I have to also know within myself that I love this thing regardless of like alcohol, like try, loosening me up. Mm-hmm. Like I have to know that I, so like I know within myself, I truly love parties. Yeah. I don't have to be drunk. I don't have to be high. I yeah. truly love being in this environment. Yeah. I think it's inspiring. Like I look at um, nightlife in a kind of like a very philosophical way. Like I think it's an escape for a lot of people. I think there's there are very few spaces in society where people can meet in groups where they don't have to buy something. Like obviously mm. you have to buy, you don't have to buy a drink, but there's drinks are present. But like there's, there's very few meeting places that many different kinds of people can come and connect mm-hmm. with each other. There's not many places. Like if you go outside, you're going to the mall, you're going to the, there's no place where people can gather together yeah. simply because, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think that especially the, the events that I throw or the parties that I go to, you know, it's a mixed crowd primarily like queer and trans it's lots of people of color like those spaces are very important to those people Mm -hmm. who don't feel represented anywhere else who can't be themselves Mm and like literally can't be themselves monday to friday Mm -hmm. you know um and who don't see each other you know what i mean like it's a lot of those places are the only places you can be outwardly gay like you know what i mean or outwardly trans and like so I think that, um, yeah, I think that I believe in the club. I always say that I like believe in it's like power to connect people. And obviously there's a lot of superficial things about it, but I've also things seen a lot of tangible things come from it that uh, reach past that night. You know what I mean? Tangible yeah. connections that like have, have, you know, that are stronger than that weekend or yeah. that six months. You know what I mean? But they were like, like the impetus for that relationship. Yeah, for form. sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, I guess I, yeah, the reason I stay sober, obviously sometimes I drink or blah, 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 sure. but the reason why a majority of the time I'm sober is because I have to know that my relationship to this thing is pure and I don't yeah. need substances to interact with it. Right. At all. I don't. Yeah. Like, I really believe in it. Where are you looking for inspiration about, you know, what to play? Are you, you, you were saying that um, you know, you like sort of diving a little bit deeper into yeah. things that you've already know. Are you getting tired of certain things that you're listening to or what's kind of inspiring you to, as to what you want to play or? Like, I think other DJs that I like 
mm-hmm. have constant communication with when I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Or like when I hear their sets and I hear things I don't know, it always pushes me to be like, to run home and like go do some research or like an exciting set is always a new set. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like if, I've, if I'm playing a set and I've like maybe played variations of it maybe six times, it's like boring. You yeah, know what I mean? So I think the fact new music always makes you, it always makes me excited to play new music. Mm-hmm. And I think that, kind of inspires me and um it's just definitely the dj community i'm a part of i think like Mm -hmm. and what i witness when i go travel like i think the first time i ever went on tour was really eye-opening and really humbling because i like i said i had a very specific idea of what what djing was and what kind of dj i was Mm -hmm. and even how good i was like i had a really specific kind of like concrete idea of that and i think when i went to europe and i saw the all these different DJs like you know I went to like 25 cities and I saw all these different DJs playing at all these different levels I was like wow this is like my ideas of what it was are so limited and so mm-hmm. tiny you yeah. know what I mean so I think that um you know and I, and I also realized I had so much work to do to, to be even nearly as good you know what I mean so yeah. I think just seeing new things being in constant conversation yeah I think those things inspire me like so the other thing I was going to ask you about, and we, we can talk about it if you want to, but you brought it up yourself, this idea of sort of self-branding, yeah. having to come up with a look. Like you're actually, I, I would yeah. say that, you know, you seem to do it on your own, but you, so you're fun, very, yeah. very good at press photos yeah, and, you know, so you hard. get good it's different so looks and everything. Yeah. But you find it annoying. Even. I find yeah. it annoying. Yeah, yeah, I find it annoying. Like, I think there's a part of me that's like, oh, this is fun. Like, it's fun to like, like, I like fashion to an extent, mm-hmm. right? So it's like fun to be like, to come up with something cute or to like work with a stylist or to like have a day where you're, you know, you're going to take nice photos with like a, like a good photographer. It's like Mm -hmm. nice to see yourself in like a different light, you know, for sure. Like those things are fun, but I also feel a lot of pressure, you know, if I'm on social media and there's like a girl with like 50 K 60 K followers. And it seems like every day she has a new I'm like, how, where are you getting all these clothes? Who's taking the picture of you on right. the sidewalk just yeah. looking like that? I'm always like, every day a new pic? Like, yeah. I'm like, that's so tiring. To me, it's like, I only look like that way, like Thursday to Saturday, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Like, yeah. I'm, like on a Tuesday morning, I'm not like, oh, well, like yeah. killing it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, I definitely feel like a lot of pressure to like, like have that sort of like very refined, polished aesthetic. Mm. and because people are literally treating instagram like your portfolio your online portfolio and then is it important you know because i think a lot of myself included yeah i'm always sweating like okay i need to get new promo pictures i need to get be branding better and i think it's taking away more and more from what it is that you're really supposed to be doing it's like i think at this point what i always say is that there's no way to disengage like you can't be like well, I don't fuck with it, so I'm just not going to fuck with it. You yeah. actually have to fuck with it, and you have to figure out a balance or your relationship with it that can feel okay and healthy to you, mm. right? So it's like, at the end of the day, I know that like I'm, I can't compete with the girl that has the 60K followers, and I'm never going to have that many clothes. And I'm, I'm just like, that's just too much work for me. Like, mm-hmm. that takes away from me trying to be a better DJ and be a better producer. Those mm-hmm. things are my priorities. So it's, I cannot compete with that, the way that looks, right? But I, I, for myself, I figured out a relationship. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna completely disengage because that's going to hurt me. I'm not gonna get booked as much or I'm not gonna get um, certain types of attention. So I definitely need to like keep it in mind and yeah. stay on top of it a bit. Yeah. But you do um, think it does make a difference to you? I 100% think it makes a difference. Like, you know, I think that, but in again, it makes a difference, but I still think it's problematic that it yeah. makes a difference. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I think that like promoters hit me on Instagram all the time, just based off like they'll see a pic, then they might, it might like intrigue them to do more research mm. about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just like, especially just being a woman, it's like you're expected, to, it's like be a DJ, but also be fashionable mm-hmm. and like cool. Like mm-hmm. all these things, other extra things are expected of you. And I think with men, it's a little bit, a little bit easier because I like a lot of like male DJ producers I know can post like a picture of like a broken car and like whatever other obscure shit and then they're mixed and they still are getting you know what I mean like yeah. but it's when you're a girl it's like you have to be like I'm hot yeah and talented yeah. you know or even you don't even have to be talented <laughs> like you just have to be like I'm hot yeah. like 
Yeah, it's like literally like full on modeling at, the, right. at this point. It's like ridiculous. And I think the way, especially with the way how brands have intersected with music, because now you see a lot of like brand partnerships. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I can't say any names because I'm going to get in trouble, but you, you see this X this, you know, yeah. it's that all the time. Like people will be like, oh, they're creating a platform for artists, but it's actually kind of like, it's marginalizing people who aren't good at those things and they shouldn't have to be. Like you shouldn't have to be a PR girl and be a model, blah, 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 and also be insanely talented. Because I know people who are insanely talented who don't get the attention they deserve yeah. because of how social media has affected um, the music or the DJ industry. It's like very problematic. People's perception of Yeah, what, it's, it's what problematic. Yeah. And, I, and I think it 100% makes a difference. Like the moment I started looking at social media like this and like seeing like, okay, this is like a portfolio. This is, this is something I have to get better at. I 100% got more attention, got more booking. Obviously, I'd like to think it also came from like being a better DJ and mm -hmm. developing my craft, right? But I, I would be like not telling the truth yeah. if I said, no, 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 it's just from that. No, no, no. Right. It's also from like me fine tuning or thinking about aesthetic things more, right. 100%. Okay, like, interesting. Yeah. When a booker is like thinking about booking you, they look at your Instagram numbers. Like they right. literally look at like how many followers you have yeah. because they're thinking about tickets and course, pull yeah. Yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And like Instagram is like one of the first things they don't, they're not like, oh, she has this. They're looking at, they'll look at Instagram. Obviously, they look at SoundCloud, but it's like Instagram is definitely in that equation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the problem is that a lot of people, like a lot of people could have that following based on just things that are purely aesthetic, has nothing to do yeah. with music. Yeah. But people really relate it to music, you know? Yeah. Anyways, it's just like, it's so frustrating. I always talk about it. It's really frustrating, but it's just definitely something you can't, there's Avoid. no way to like, yeah. It's irrevocable, the relationship. Yeah. yeah. It's it's something that I think about a lot. And I mean, I don't, I'm somewhat active in, in that sphere. I probably will need to be doing more of yeah. it. But I, it's just a really interesting thing to me because it deals with so many aspects of this. It's communication. Mm -hmm. It's or lack thereof. Like you said, there are, it's very easy to go dark on, on the internet very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like a communications platform. It's not really doing its job, but... I, I'm always just curious as to whether it really, if you, uh, yeah, if you no, notice a difference in it. A hundred percent makes a difference for sure. Well, I want to say thank you so much for Thanks. being on the podcast and hanging out. If you like what you heard on the show today and would like to support it, I would encourage you to go to my Patreon page and become a patron. Patrons will get access to exclusive content and can help decide which guests come on the show and what I ask them, as well as other rewards along the way. Support will enable the show to become bigger and better in many ways. There'll be a link to the page on both the Mind to Make website at www.mindtomake.com, as well as in the show notes in the description for the podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and please tune in next time.